Hi there, we really hope you enjoy this teaching from The Message. To find out more about all the exciting things we're doing and how you can get involved, check out our website, message.org.uk. Cool. How you doing? You doing well? Uh, so, my name's Ben. I am the leader of Soul City Church in Stockport. And <laughs> I also am the head of unity at the Evangelical Alliance. Um, and I was thinking about what to share. It's, it was beautiful and a privilege to be invited to come and share a couple of thoughts with you this morning. I was thinking about what to share. And um, I was thinking about, I used to work for a charity called InterServe, which is a mission charity going into some of the hardest places in the world. And what I found time and time again was that I would arrive somewhere and what I thought I was going into wasn't what I was going into at all. What I thought the situation was going to be like wasn't what the situation was at all. And it made me realise that there's often a lot more going on under the surface. Or there's actually a lot of stuff that is possible and happening that we don't see. What we see at first isn't always the full truth. Um, like an example of this might be if you go to a city that you've never been to before and you're visiting it and you look around, you'll get one experience. But then if you went with somebody who was a local, you'd be in the same city, but you get a totally different experience, right? Um, anybody ever had one of those moments where you've had something happen in your life and it felt really, really bad at the time, but looking back, it became the catalyst for something amazing? I've had that both ways. I've had something that was amazing, and I thought this is fantastic, and then I found that it was causing tensions and pulling me away from what I wanted to be doing in my life. Sometimes what we see at first isn't the full truth. This made me think about uh, Death Valley. I've got a picture of Death Valley. We'll stick up on the screen. I don't know if you've heard of Death Valley. This is the hottest place on earth, and it is, it's, just, it's, it's called Death Valley for a reason. It has got good branding. Um, and there's weird things that happen in Death Valley. These rocks, I don't know if you can see behind it, a trail behind this rock. Rocks just move in Death Valley. For years and years, no one could work out why these rocks were moving. They would just carve these lines through the sand. It, a weird, weird place. But it's a place where if you went to, it would be hot as hell. <laughs> It would, be, it would be a place where life seemingly couldn't exist. And yet, every now and then, something incredible happens. They call it a super bloom. There's a bit of rain. There's a bit of, of, of moisture. And then all of a sudden, all the life that existed beneath the surface that wasn't seen at first suddenly explodes and we have this incredible picture of life. And my point today is this, that what looks like death might actually just be dormant life. That you might be in a season, you might be in a situation and it feels hopeless, it feels like there's nothing good that can come of it, but it's not actually dead it's just dormant. Your dream may not be dead, it could just be dormant. Your marriage might not be dead, it could just be dormant. Your hopes might not be dead, they could just be dormant. And I think that the trouble for us is that we often hit the eject button too soon. We don't follow the season through and see what could come at the end. And then what happens is all of our experience is Death Valley and we miss 
the incredible super bloom that I believe God has for us. I think that when I was younger, I used to believe that God used the charismatic ones, you know, the ones with the big personalities, or, or God used the ones with the incredible gifts, the ones who seem to be confident all the time. Now, I just think that he uses the people who don't give up, the people who are willing to come back again and again and again, even when it feels difficult, even when it's hard, who believe that God has not finished and that he has something greater ahead for them. I believe that God uses the persistent. And it's something that I don't think we talk enough about. I think that it's something that is incredibly, incredibly challenge, challenging. But I want to see my ministry as a marathon and not a sprint. I don't want to make the decisions that are going to be all about what I can achieve in the next three months and miss the fact that when I'm 80, I still want to be on fire for Jesus. I still want to be going for it. I still want to be reaching people at the end of my life with even more passion. I want my life to be a crescendo, right? And to do that, I need to learn persistence. And so I want to share a story um, of perhaps the most persistent guy I could find in the whole of the Bible, a guy called Paul. You've probably heard of him, hopefully. Uh, If you've got your Bible, you can turn with me. It's quite a well-known story. It's in Acts 27. And um, Paul, (laughs) uh, Paul is at this point, he's a prisoner, which is pretty bad. Um, But he's not just a prisoner. He's a prisoner in a boat, which feels even worse. Uh, And he's a prisoner... And this isn't like, I know some of you work in prisons, they have like PS4s in prisons, maybe even PS5s these days, I don't know. Like there's prisons now, it's not like it was back then. He would have had his hands in cuffs every single day, he would have, he would have been mistreated, he would have been beaten, he would have been abused. Being in prison even before a trial was horrible. He's in a bad place, he's a prisoner in a boat and then the boat is in a storm, like it just can't get much worse. So let me read this through, I want to share a couple of thoughts And then we're going to pray at the end. Um, But this is Acts 27. We'll start at verse 21. And um, it says this, With our appetite for both food and life long gone, Paul took his place in our midst and said, Friends, you really should have listened to me back in Crete. We could have avoided all this trouble and trial. But there's no need to dwell on that now. From now on, things are looking up. I can assure you that there'll not be a single drowning among us, although I can't say as much for the ship. The ship itself is doomed. Last night, God's angel stood at my side, an angel of this God I serve, saying to me, don't give up, Paul. You're going to make a stand before Caesar yet, and everyone sailing with you is also going to make it. So dear friends, take heart. I believe God will do exactly what he told me but we're going to shipwreck on some island or other. So in the middle of this this difficult situation, everyone's freaking out, and Paul is so connected to heaven that when the world is shaking, he stands firm. And he says to the people around him, don't give up. I think that some of us need that voice in our lives. We need friends who will stand alongside us and say, do you know what, this isn't the end of your story. This isn't your defining moment. It gets better. Don't give up. Up. We need to keep on moving forwards. And on the 14th night, adrift somewhere on the Adriatic Sea, at about midnight, the sailors sensed that we were approaching land. Sounding, they measured a depth of 120 feet, and shortly after that, 90 feet. Afraid that they were going to run aground, they threw out four anchors and prayed for daylight. Some of the sailors tried to jump ship, 
They let down the lifeboat, pretending they were going to set out more anchors from the bow. Paul saw through their guise and told the centurions and his soldiers, if these sailors don't stay with the ship, we're all going down. So the soldiers cut the lines to the lifeboat and let it drift off. With dawn about to break, Paul called everyone together and proposed breakfast. I mean, if there's a word from the Lord, when life is tough, get a good breakfast. Oh man, you can put that one on your fridge. That could be a life verse if anyone's needing one. This is the 14th day we have gone without food. None of us has felt like eating, but I urge you to eat something now. You'll need strength for the rescue ahead. You're going to come out of this without even a scratch. And he broke bread. He gave thanks to God. He passed it around and they ate heartily. 276 of us all told. With the meal finished and everyone full, the ship was further lightened by dumping the grain overboard. At daybreak, no one recognized the land, but then they did notice a bay with a beach. They decided to try to run the ship up onto the beach. They cut the anchors, loosed the tiller, raised the sail, and ran before the wind before the beach. But they didn't make it. Still far from the shore, we hit a reef, and the ship began to break up. Worst day ever. Then the soldiers decided Let's kill the prisoners, and then none can escape. But a centurion, determined to save Paul, stopped them. He gave orders for anyone who could swim to dive in and go for it, for the rest to grab a plank, and everyone made it to shore safely. What an incredible story about life getting worse and worse and worse. And it's bleak and it's painful. And I think a lot of the time in, in church, in, in, in moments of prayer, we talk big talk. We're like, you know, I am more than an overcomer. I, am, I can achieve all things through Christ who strengthens me. I will, you know, like we, we say these big things and we pray these big prayers and we're like, God, you know what, whenever, whatever you call me to do, I will do anything. God, use me. And then people say, hey, can you serve another Sunday? And you're like, oh, I feel used. I feel tired, I feel frustrated, and we give up, and we back down. But what what we find here is Paul, so connected to God, so connected to heaven. I I love that God literally says to him, do you know what, Paul, this isn't going to be your defining moment. In fact, it gets worse for you. Like the promise for Paul isn't that at the end of this storm, he's going to then get a martini on a beach, right? That's not the promise. The promise is you're going to then go to Caesar and he's going to kill you instead. It's like a backhanded blessing kind of a thing. It's like, don't worry about this moment because there's a worse one that I've got set aside for you. And yet Paul, he's like, do you know what? I believe, I believe that God can use all things for good. I believe that if he has placed me on this boat, that there must be a purpose to this. And so it's not so much that I have a storm, it's that a storm has me. You know, I'm, I'm chained to my situations and so I can transform them. And so he starts speaking words of hope at a time when everybody else wants to jump ship. He starts speaking words of promise at a time when everybody else feels like there's no promise to be had, that they should give up. And every single person on that boat is saved because Paul's walking a different path to everyone else. You know, so often in life, I think, I think we go through it 
And we experience the same things as everybody else in the world around us. I mean, we've had a tough time, honestly. It's just been relentless. It's been Brexit. It's then been a pandemic and, and social isolation and, and sickness. And then we've, we've kind of, have we kind of come through that? And then there's all the mental health struggles and people are tired. I, I speak to church leaders all across the country. Church is tired. It's been a lot and it's been one thing after another. And now we've got the cost of living and we've got all of this instability in the royal family and politics and new prime ministers and then new prime ministers again. And it's, it's one thing after another. And as we look forward, it's not looking like it's going to get any better. And what we can start to do is we can find that we're saying the same words as everybody else around us. We're feeling the same things as everybody else around us. And we're experiencing the same fear, the same anxiety, the same concern, the same hopelessness as the world. And yet the Bible tells us that we're meant to be light. We're we're meant to be the ones who shine brightly. We're meant to be the ones who have a different story. It doesn't mean that the storm doesn't exist. It means that we should have a deeper point of view. We should be able to see something beneath the surface that other people can't see. While the world is looking at everything and going, it's like Death Valley. We should be the ones standing there going, hey, there is hope. I believe that it's not dead, it's dormant and that life is about to bloom. If we can be bold, if we can be persistent, if we can keep on going, I believe that there is more ahead of us. You know, the Bible says that the church is meant to be the people who are running directly towards hell, shouting that it cannot win, that it cannot prosper, that God is going to be victorious. We know that this is where it's headed. And so we need to be people of hope. We need to stand differently. And the story doesn't finish, it continues. Acts 28, verse 1. Once everyone was accounted for, we realised that we'd all made it. We learned we were on the island of Malta. The natives went out of their way to be friendly to us. The day was rainy and cold, and we were already soaked to the bone. But they built a huge bonfire and gathered us around it. Paul pitched in and helped. He'd gathered up a bundle of sticks. But when he put it on a fire, a venomous snake roused from its torpor by the heat struck his hand and held on. Seeing the snake hanging from Paul's hand like that, the natives jumped to the conclusion he must be a murderer getting his just desserts. Paul shook the snake into the fire, none the worse for wear. They kept expecting him to drop dead, but when it was obvious he wasn't going to, they jumped to the conclusion he was a god. (laughs) So (laughs) it gets worse for this guy, doesn't it? He's been a prisoner in a boat, in a storm, The worst thing that could happen happens. The boat crashes. They end up shipwrecked. He's like, I'll make a fire because I'm wet and cold. And then of all things, a snake bites him. The islanders look at him and they're like, wow, you must be the devil. Like you must be a murderer. This must be God smiting you because your life is going bad. And we think that sometimes, don't we? When life is going well, we think that's a sign of God's favour. When life is going badly, we think that it's a sign of his disfavour. And so one minute they're saying, you must be the worst, and then he doesn't die. He shakes off the snake, and they're like, well, you must be God. <laughs> you must be our saviour. It's like, it's like if you live for what other people will say about you, you'll always be like the waves. You'll always be up and down. And so the, the island are going mad, and the story continues. The head man on that part of the island was Publius. 
He took us into his home as his guest, drying us out and putting us up in a fine style for the next three days. His father was sick at the time with a high fever and dysentery. Paul went to the old man's room and when he laid hands on him and prayed, the man was healed. Word of the healing got around fast and soon everyone on the island who was sick came and was healed. Wow. You know, when you are pursuing God's plan and purpose for your life, it doesn't make you exempt from snakes. It doesn't, it doesn't create this automatic, automatic barrier saying, you know what, you're doing the right thing. You're now going to find the experience of life is just blessing after. It's not, it's not what happens. And I'll be honest, this, this for me, when I think back over the last few years, this is probably the best picture of what my experience has been. It's been going from one painful situation to the next painful situation. Every time I thought, it's got to get better from here, it doesn't. It's hard. And it goes on and on. And maybe even there's been times when you're like, you know, we've come out of the storm, the pandemic is finished. And then rather than life going back to normal, it's like the snake bites. And there's things that have come and they've attacked you and they've hurt you. And they could be all kinds of different things. It, it could be your mental health. It could be relationships. It could be, it, it could be people have said things to you. People have let you down. It could be that your expectations were up here and then life was down here. But what your experience is now is that you feel like you've been bitten. You feel like you've been hurt. And I want to tell you, to, you have to shake off those snakes as fast as you can. You can't let these things stick to you. You can't control what life will throw at you, but you can control what you let stick to you. You have to learn to throw them off. You have to learn to get rid of them. Because if you don't, you'll find that you quit before you get to the super bloom. You find that you become resentful and you distance yourself and you miss the very thing that God had intended to bring you to that island to achieve. Paul, this beautiful picture of Paul, he perseveres. He sees it through. And every single person on that island is healed. It's totally incredible, totally incredible. I don't know, um, I don't know what this would mean for you. I don't know what your snakes would be I can guess what your storm would be. I don't know what you might be facing right now. I know what I'm facing. I've got a brother who's sick, and every time we think he's going to get better, he gets worse and worse. And there's moments when I'm in the middle of the, the long-term endurance of faith. We don't talk about that enough. Faith isn't a momentary decision. It's a long-term endurance of faith. It's persevering. And there's moments in that journey where I just want to... I just want to give up. I just want to lose hope. I just, I just want, I just want, I just don't, don't know what to do. And it's, it's painful. But every time that voice comes into my head and it says, believe the worst, believe that the desert is the end, I have to shake it off. I have to. Because I cannot let that become the defining moment of my faith. I have to believe that there is more. I have to get up again and persevere and push because I don't know how the story is going to end yet. I know that it's going to end incredibly, but I don't know how. You see, 
When you have hope, you get ready for God to do something. When you least feel like it, when you feel at your lowest, I think that's the moment when you have to talk yourself up. You have to remind yourself that God has not stopped working, that Jesus is still working for you on your behalf. And so you can get up again and get ready for God to do something beautiful. And I understand that this is hard because we live in a world where death is death. Where, where if you do not have the resources to build something, you can't build it. If you do not have the education, you can't have the degree. That's the world that we live in. But God doesn't exist that way. There's this um, Latin term for when God created the world. It's ex nihilo. And what it says is that God created everything beautiful, everything good, out of nothing. God does not even need the basic building blocks of life to create something incredible in yours. God can take what is death and bring resurrection. That's the hope of our faith, isn't it? It's not that God will make everything amazing all the time. It's that it doesn't matter what comes. It doesn't matter what the situation is. God can take even death and bring life. Could you please stand with me? I wonder today whether, um, whether as we're reading this story, you recognize that actually there's some stuff that you needed to shake off. There's some hurt, there's some pain along the journey, and it, it, it might not have been your fault. It almost definitely wasn't your fault. But at the same time, you need freedom from it. You need release from it. Otherwise, the poison will steal the super bloom that God has for you. And I just want to give a moment for the Holy Spirit to speak to us. And God, we just pray that if there's anything that we've clung on to, which is poisonous, that you'd help us to just shake it off. Where we need to forgive, let us forgive. Where we found comfort in the wrong things, Lord, help us to be courageous to shake that off. Where there is hurt and resentment, shake it off. And I pray, God, that you would bring your perfect peace that surpasses all understanding. That you bring life. You bring hope. And that we would see your super bloom. It would just be so surprising that everyone around would wonder at how incredible you are. Lord, when we most feel like giving up, I pray you'd surround us with friends. But stand alongside us, share their faith with ours. That we wouldn't exist as individuals, but that we would stand strong as community. Bring healing in your name, Jesus. Amen. Don't forget to check out message.org.uk to find out how you can support our work or even get involved with one of our teams. We also have another podcast called The Flow Podcast where we share stories and testimonies of the amazing things that God's doing in people's lives. Search for The Flow Podcast on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. <laughs>